Broncos country. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. Touchdown Denver. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Touchdown Denver, hosted by myself and my good friend Nick Ferguson. I am live here in Las Vegas at the casino, uh, playing some blackjack right now. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm at my hotel in the Marriott. There's no slot machines here. Um, I am I am a, I'm a loner tonight here at my hotel. I have a 5:30 flight here soon. But uh, Nick and I are here to break down what was I, I don't know how to even describe that game Nick it was a lot of fun like if you just like enjoy football right but if you're a Broncos fan I think you walk away from that game maybe the most disappointed of any game so far because it just felt like I I, I don't know Nick we, we can dive into it but it just felt like they they did some really good things at times and they showed like the the good team that they can be and then they just they just kind of blew it against the Raiders again and and it, that seems to be a theme against the Raiders the last few years and I know you you wanted to start positive, so I'm I'm I I, I totally screwed up our entire rundown there going yeah, straight totally into the derailed the whole thing. But <laughs> but you know what? Since you want to go in that direction, let's go in that direction. Yes, when you look at uh, the way that the Broncos have played uh, against the Raiders in the past couple of years, it has been somewhat of the same type of situation. I guess that same type of situation has uh, spilled out into social media. All you have to do. Look on your feed, look on my feed. You can see so many Broncos fans adding their input as to the level of frustration that they had. But at the same time, you know what? I am a very optimistic person and criticize me for being that type of person, trying to see the silver lining in, I guess, a situation that looks like Debbie Downer. But there were some positive things that happened in this game. But since you start off with things that went wrong, let's start there. Uh, typical fashion, the Darkos, as they get in position to make plays, there's always something that derails this team, and it always comes in the form of penalties or drop balls. So that is still consistent with this team. What can they do to change this? I I don't know. I I just feel as though it's just a a lack of focus, George. But, I mean, it has to change. Something has to uh, change for this team to move forward. But on the positive notes, I did like some of the things that I did see. Russell Wilson was spectacular. He started to look like Russell Wilson of old, the Russell Wilson that we expected him to be. And how about that deep shot down the field to K.J. Hamler for 55 yards? That was impressive, not only for this offense, not only for Russell, but it had to be a boat of confidence for K.J. Hamler himself. Yeah, let, let's let's dive into to the good things, like you said, Nick, and Obviously, the the best thing that I think you saw today from the Broncos is Russell Wilson. I mean, Russell, like you said, Russell Wilson looked like his old self. He looked like the quarterback the Broncos traded for from Seattle. Uh, 17 of 25, 237 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, 124.9 rating. He also ran the ball four times for 29 yards and a touchdown. Uh, He just looked really good. He looked really comfortable. Uh, I was kind of surprised that you know, it felt like they were really moving the ball through the air in the first half. I think he was like 11 of 12 at halftime, uh, and they were kind of moving the ball. And then the second half, it seemed like they kind of went away from that. Um, they, they played a little bit more maybe conservative at times and, and, and ran the ball more there to start the second half. But I thought Russell looked really, really good. I thought Jerry Judy had a nice game. Uh, Cortland Sutton, um, you know, again, having a really good game. Five catches, 52 yards, a touchdown. Jerry Judy, four catches, 53 yards, a touchdown. 
Uh, and then obviously, like you said, KJ Hamler, the, the one reception for 55 yards. He only played Nick like maybe three or four snaps the entire game. Uh, KJ did and obviously came up with one of the biggest plays of the game. So I was really impressed by Russell Wilson. What what maybe stood out to you uh, that maybe was different about Russell this week than what we've seen in previous weeks? Well, he decided to uh, pull the ball down and run. When the, when the defense started to drop back and cover to take away those vertical passing routes, Russell looked around, realized nothing was there, and he just took off. He did that a couple of times. But it's something that you said that is very interesting because when you look at, once again, the tweets and the criticism of this offensive scheme and the thing of Hackett once again, it was like in previous games, like, well, hey, you, you're not running the ball enough. And then now it's running the ball too much. You're not passing enough. So so, so they're tr- still trying to find that balance. My issue was the misappropriation or lack of utilization of the tight ends. Once again, I still feel as though that there are adequate uh, yards out there to use the tight ends whether it was on the swing routes, the out routes, the scene routes. I just feel as though the Broncos offense still has yet to embrace the tight ends and get them involved. Yeah, and we saw Eric Saubert. He had one catch for 25 yards. It was a big play, um, you know, set up their first touchdown. But it's it's been a constant issue with the tight ends, right? Like we just have not seen anything. Like Alberto was non-existent today. Didn't get a single target. Uh, I honestly didn't see him on the field a ton either. Like I, I don't know if – if there's something going on there where he's just not playing or they don't trust him. I, I thought it was odd. KJ didn't play a lot. I, I know he's not a tight end, but then you also had the situation where Melvin and we, we will dive into Melvin at some point. We, we could probably talk for 30 minutes on Melvin Gordon tonight, but uh, you know, he wasn't playing until he had that one carry and obviously he fumbled it. So the, the personnel decisions I thought were really interesting, but I, I do think Nick, you brought up earlier the drops and that's been an issue all season so far. Uh, we saw Jerry Judy drop one today that that probably should probably should have been interception intercepted um i don't think Cortland had one i can't remember exactly i think kindle hinton maybe had had a drop a pretty big one so uh russell wilson talked about the drops after the game and we have the audio here from broncos.com we had a, we had a couple tonight but i think that um you know we we just we know we can, those guys can i believe in those guys in every second every moment you know all the way to the last play man i don't, I don't ever doubt so um we're going to make those plays you know it's going to it's going to be really really great when we continue to try to do that and you know we got we got to make our layups we got to make the simple things and we also got to like i said we got we got to give ourselves the best chance possible you know because we have such a great defense i think we got, we're going to have a great offense uh, we got so much you know, good good in, in store but we got to we got to be able to help ourselves you know and not and not and make sure we're not hurting ourselves in those situations i'm going to start calling russell wilson mr sunshine cuz he is always pumping in the sunshine uh and he i mean he should be right he's the quarterback and and he's not supposed to get up there and and obviously talk negatively but nick the the reality is is that the drops have become a problem and and that's not on on russell uh obviously uh but how concerned are you with the drops especially from some of these receivers like jerry judy who i thought he had a good game today but you know he's had drop issues in the past well, you know, I'm, I'm somewhat concerned about it, but Jerry Judy isn't my my, my main concern. So mm-hmm. the, the one that Jerry Judy was a little behind him, and yeah, it was almost intercepted, but the guy that really stuck out to me in the very pivotal moment was Mike Boone. I mean, this yeah. was a chance for Boone to really step up his play, especially where there seemed to be a lack of confidence in Melvin Gordon, and on two consecutive uh, attempts, he did not come through. And you could see him sitting on the sideline beside himself because he knew – 
that that was a missed opportunity. So if you're a Russell, yeah, you're going to go to the podium. You're going to say all the right things because you're always going to try to protect your players. Russell, just like I am, he's a very optimistic person. But Russ has been criticized on Twitter for being Mr. Optimistic and not really going in on his teammates. So I ask you, when when in, when the, with the Broncos being in this situation, would you prefer Russell to go to the podium and say what he just said about the drops, about the team getting together, or would you prefer him to come out and just rip his teammates apart? Oh, I don't think he should be ripping his teammates apart. I, I hope that, that that's not what I meant earlier by by saying that by calling him Mr. Sunshine. He's just he's he's always positive. Uh, now I think that that can get old quickly for a fan base, but in terms of the team, I I don't think you want your quarterback going up there and ripping the wide receivers, right? I think that that obviously creates bad chemistry. And when you have a, a new quarterback that is in a new system, in a new city, in a new team, new locker room, that's the last thing you want, right? I mean, it's only week four, Nick. I, I understand that people are are upset and, and the Broncos have yet to play up to expectations this season in, in any of their games. Uh, but the reality is, is like, this is a project. It's going to take time. Uh, and you don't want your quarterback, your new quarterback and, and your star quarterback for the next you know several years to get up there after a game like that and start throwing guys under the bus. Right. I mean, I don't think that that would be a good idea at all. No, I don't, but I, I don't understand that the concept of, you know, Hey, the fans are going to get really tired of, you know, Russell going up there being Mr. Sunshine. And, and you see that on Twitter right now, people are going after Russell about, Hey, they, they're sick and, and tired of this and saying some other things that I will not repeat, but I just don't understand what's happening with this with this fan base like if you go up there as a coach and as a player and you rip your teammates right and you know you you just watch the game you know what happened you know guys have dropped the ball guys have had some penalties the defense didn't tackle the way that you expected them to tackle but you're not going to go up there and you're just going to throw them on the bus because like you damned if you do you're damned if you don't so I, I would prefer Russell being the person who he is and people call him corny so what if he's different from everyone else hey that's perfectly fine they call it corny I call it unique, but this is the first time that we've seen this offense actually move the ball down the field and get explosive plays in the passing game. So as we look at the fact of acknowledging what really happened, you lost to a division rival. I know everyone hates the Raiders. I hate the Raiders too, but at the same time, can we look at some of the positives that took place in this game from an offensive standpoint? Yeah, but Nick, and and I agree like I'm right there with you. I feel like we agree on this, but the problem is, is like fans, fans are going to be fans, right? And <laughs> the fans that are the angriest are also typically the loudest, right? Uh, yes. It's it's rare that you find a happy fan that is, you know, you know, pumping out the sunshine on Twitter, right? And that's why Twitter's not real. I always say that Twitter is not <laughs> a real place. And so I, I think that you, I, I get it. It's frustrating to see fans, you know, turn on the team, especially again, it's week four, man. Like there's so much football left to be played. And, and like you said, that's the best the offensive looked. And they were really bad in the third quarter. I think they had uh, like two or three, three and outs. I think they only had 17 total yards in the third quarter. They were really bad. It looked like the old Broncos offense, right? But they were really good in the fourth when they needed to be. And the defense couldn't come up with a stop to get them the ball. We'll talk about the defense later. But, you know, if they get the ball back, let's say the defense gets a stop instead of giving up a 75-yard touchdown drive. If the offense gets the ball back, I'm confident they go down and they score at least a field goal and maybe win that football game, right? And we obviously saw them move the ball 
in the first half as well. They were two for three in the red zone, so they're, they're improving there. I, I, I thought that they did well. I know people were upset with some of the play calling on the one where they ended up with the field goal, but I, I thought the offense looked really good. Uh, now, I, and we'll, we'll dive into this later, I, I think there's some major concern for what this run game looks like moving forward if Javante Williams is out for, for you know a considerable amount of time, which I, I think he will be. But um, I, I do think that the offense showed some improvement today and, and people should you know, look into that. I think maybe, Nick, and we'll take a break here in a second, but I think one of my biggest concerns with the offense today was the penalties c- continue to exist. And, you know, I think Garrett Bowles had a couple holding penalties. Uh, they had some pre-snap penalties. And that's where this offense gets hurt is they, they back themselves up. They get self-inflicted wounds. Uh, and when they get behind the chains, they're just not very good when they get in those first and 15s, first and 20, whatever it may be, third and long. Like they just have not been good in those situations. So they have to eliminate those. Yeah, they definitely have to. And some of those penalties on Garrett Bowles, it, it was a simple hand placement. I mean, yeah. and, and on the first moves, he, he was okay. But once he gets his hands wrapped behind a guy's back and he grabs on, the ref's going to see that all the time. And Chandler Jones is a, a veteran. He knows once a guy grabs him, all he has to do is torque and turn his body. And that's just going to show a guy's grabbing onto him just a little too long. And he's going to get that flag. So, you know, for Garrett Bowles, he definitely has to clean that up. And I know it's frustrating to a lot of fans because it's reminding them of Garrett Bowles a couple of years ago when every time a piece of laundry was thrown on the field, everyone held their breath because they wanted to make sure that it wasn't number 72. So today was a little reminiscent of that for Broncos fans, but they have to now go, go back to the drawing board. They, they can't really harp on this one that long because it's a short week and they had the Colts on Thursday night. Yeah, I thought Garrett struggled tonight. Probably his worst game so far this season, obviously. Um, you know, I think Russell was sacked three times. Obviously, those are not all on, on Garrett, but the offensive line as a whole, I, I didn't think played great at times. Obviously, they couldn't get anything going really in the running game. And then uh, when your quarterback gets sacked three three times, it's just not great. So um, Garrett's obviously got to improve. I will say, though, Garrett had maybe the best clip of the game, you know, chasing down uh, the the fumble return for a touchdown. Oh, the dive. Uh, when, when he when he dove yeah, about yeah. five yards too short there that was pretty good that was pretty funny uh but uh let's let's take a break nick and then we can dive into that fumble return and also just the melvin gordon fiasco and, and all that's that's gone into that so far so let's take a quick break and then we'll dive into that Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, everybody, we're back from that quick break. And, Nick, let's talk about, I would say, maybe the biggest turning point in this game. Obviously, games, you know, are not decided by one play, especially a play that happens in the second quarter. But it did feel like this was uh, a big one. And, obviously, when you lose a game by nine points, and a play like this happens, that that played a huge part in it. But the Melvin Gordon fumble, Nick, um, to say I'm sh- to, to say I would be shocked is is not true at all. I am not shocked that this happened, uh, considering that we've seen literally this exact play now happen three times. Last year, it happened against the Chiefs and the Eagles, where Melvin fumbled and, and the ball was returned, you know, 60, 70 yards for a touchdown. Um, and this is also now four times Melvin has fumbled uh, over the course of the first four games. So, uh, just just what are your thoughts on on the whole situation? And and uh, we can dive into some of the post game comments that were made afterwards. 
Man, it, it's uh, from player to player, man. This is tough to watch because once this happens, as a running back, you, you have to now start to think, how much is this playing on his uh, mental as a player? Like every time he touches the ball, now he's thinking, oh, I might fumble. And football is a game of reaction, not just not thinking, but reacting. And when you're a running back, you can't try to think about uh, fumbling the ball. And I, I told you this on Wednesday. Remember when we were mm -hmm. at practice, I said, well, Melvin's problem is that he is fighting for extra yards because he, he already feels as though he's behind the eight ball, ball being RB2. And every time he gets uh, a, a carry or a reception, he feels as though he's got to do the most trying to get the extra yards. And what ends up happening is that he braces for the first contact, but what he does is he pulls the ball away from his body. And every time he does that, that exposes the ball and allows that second defender that's coming in there to punch at the ball. And running backs are always taught this from Pop Warner, college football, and then the pros. Once you get into a mist of bodies, the first thing you have to do is secure the ball first, right? You see so many guys trying to twist and turn and get those extra yards and they expose the ball. And then now, boom, it's knocked out. So my biggest thing for Melvin is where's his confidence level at this moment itself? But more importantly, where's the confidence level in Nathaniel Hackett that they can put Melvin Gordon in the game without him putting the ball on the turf again? Yeah, I think Melvin's confidence is probably as low as it's been in his career. Um, just based on talking to him post game, um, I'm sure people have seen the clip of of him, you know, talking to the media. Uh, but he got up there and he, you know, kept his sunglasses on, his hat low. Um, he had tears in his eyes, Nick. Uh, and I think some of that was was his reaction to, you know, Javante. I know him and Javante are super close, and and it looks like Javante's injury is pretty serious. And I think that had someone some somewhat of an effect on him. I know it did. Mike Boone in the locker room was also pretty emotional about it. But I think it was also Melvin knowing that he let his team down and that this has become a consistent issue. Um, and, and Melvin, like you said, I think Melvin wants to be the number one running back, obviously. Um, he's a competitor. He's always been the number one running back throughout his career, right? And he's had a heck of a career. Um, but I, I think that his confidence, man, it's just shot right now. And and I asked Nathaniel Hackett, uh, you know, point blank after the game, where's your trust level in him right now? And he said, in the end, you can't put the ball on the ground. It's that simple. And I think that tells us everything we need to know about where Hackett's confidence level is in Melvin right now. And and the, the issue, Nick, that they now have to face is I, there's a lot of people, you know, calling for the Broncos to cut Melvin Gordon when he made that play. Well, now that Javante is, is likely done for a while, Melvin's got to be the guy, right? Uh, it's going to have to be him and Mike Boone in some capacity. You can't just move on from Melvin Gordon. It's not like there's better options out there. At least I don't think so right now. No, you know, there's no better option out there. But you you can anticipate the Broncos uh, going out and try to bring in someone to put on a practice squad to bring that person up to speed. Who that guy is, I don't know at this moment. But that's something that they're going to have to do. And they're going to have to lean heavily on these two backs. Uh, with Javante being out for an extended period of time, and we don't know what that time is just yet. But now we're talking about Melvin Gordon, who's fumbled in all four of the games so far, and Mike Boone, who could not haul in two passes to close the game. These are the guys that the Broncos are going to have to rely on and, and 
the passing game and the running game. So I'm hoping that if they can't figure things out or that there's a drop in confidence with either of these two guys, maybe we will see the Broncos forced into utilizing more of their tight ends uh, in the passing game. I don't, I don't know, but, but something has to give and I understand it. You know, when you're, when you're a player, no player wants to make a mistake, George, no player. And it's almost like being a DB that's constantly being called for pass interference, right? You don't want to make a bad play, but sometimes these bad plays happen, but you have to get outside of your head. And this is where Melvin has to be strong. And this is where he's going to need his teammates, right? Like once the Broncos get back from their flight, he's going to need somebody to call him and let him know, hey, man, you know, things like this happen. But right now, we're going to need you to step up your game. Whatever happened in the past, that's happened in the past. Turn the page, short week, we're playing, we're playing at home against the Colts, we need you to now man up and be the Melvin Gordon that we know that you can be. So that's kind of a concern for the Broncos, but we'll see what happens on Thursday night. Yeah, and we heard that 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 exact message, Nick, from, from Russell Wilson, who's obviously close with Melvin. Uh, I think they maybe overlapped for one year at Wisconsin, but obviously uh, two guys that are very familiar with each other. But Russell uh, said in his postgame that, that he supported Melson and still believes still believes in Melvin. Uh, moving forward, and we have the audio right here. Listen, I, I think one of the things that this guy, Melvin, you know, he works so hard every day. You guys should see him pre-practice, post-practice, the amount of time he puts in, the extra catches, the, the stuff he does running across the field just to get the extra reps and just how he takes it to the house every time. Um, <clears throat> you know, I told him, I said, you know, you're one of the one of the best guys to ever play this game at this position, and don't forget that. The, the best ones, they respond. And I believe in Melvin Gordon responding, you know, and I know he's going to. And uh, he's he's a guy that's just um, he, he works his butt off every day. So um, I, I believe in him. Um, we believe in him. Um, and he's going to get the ball again. He's going to he's going to make some great plays and he's going to have a great season the rest of the season. We're going to rely on him and uh, the rest of the guys, Boone and, and Javante, um, whenever he's good to go. I don't know. But, um, you know, so I don't have any doubts with him. I told him you're one of the best. Just keep believing that and keep saying that, you know, it. Nick, do you – Melvin has never – and I mentioned this earlier. Melvin has never been in, in, in a position like this in his career, I don't think, right? This this has got to be a, a low point for him. Do, do you think he can bounce back from, from this type of, of you know, fall? And, and, and obviously the criticism is a lot right now. I mean, just go read my mentions on Twitter. Um, but do you think that Melvin has the, the mental – because we – look, Nick, we've seen it. He's, he's a good running back. I mean, he's been in the league a long time. We've seen him be a, a top running back in this league. But do you think mentally he can come over that? And and have you maybe maybe ever experienced anything like that? I mean, in your career and in the mental hurdle uh, that it takes to get through something like this? Well, on the topic of whether Melvin can overcome this, that is yet to be seen because each player is built differently. How yeah. is How mentally strong – uh, will Melvin Gordon actually be? I mean, can he look at this and say, well, now he is in a fight for his life and his life meaning his football career? I mean, that's the great thing about the season being as long as it is. And, you know, look at the injury to Javante, you're going to have more opportunities. And with those opportunities are going to come a chance for Melvin Gordon to put all this behind him. So it is on Melvin Gordon to decide and determine how mentally tough 
uh, can he be in this particular situation? Because now he has to earn back the trust of his teammates and more importantly, that of Broncos country. And I've been in this situation uh, before in my time with the Broncos. We were playing Kansas City on Monday Night Football. And I talk about a, a can't get right type of game. Man, I think I had about 60 yards and penalties by myself, right? And I know Coach Shanahan, he didn't yell. He didn't scream. He just looked at me. And it was, it was one of the, the, the worst looks that he gave me because it just, I just melted right there because I knew that I had screwed up. I helped Kansas City move down the field to, to score points. And I remember I went in to uh, pick up my check, and my DB coach at the time told me, hey, man, you shouldn't even go pick that up. And I, and I thought about it for a second, George, like, you know what? Maybe he's, maybe he's right. Maybe I shouldn't. And I was like, no, no, no. I'm picking that check up because guess what? I did put in some work, even though I gave up, uh, you know, some, some plays to Kansas City. But at, at the same time, what I said to myself, I said, well, next week, I have to be better than I was the previous week. Whatever happened last week was last week. And mentally, I had to push forward. So that's where Melvin Gordon is right now. Can he push forward? And could he kind of get these fumbles out of his head? So every time he hands up, the ball is handed off to him and he's running. I mean, I know Broncos country, they're going to take that deep breath. But for him, he needs to excel and then say, well, I need to put both hands on the ball. And if he is to do that, then we'll see a different Melvin Gordon moving forward. Yeah, two quick things on Melvin. And then we can kind of look towards the future here at the running back spot. But one is... I and Broncos fans are not going to agree with me, I think, on this one, but I do feel somewhat bad for Melvin, right? I like he's not out there trying to fumble the football, right? Uh, you know, he's trying to, like you said, get extra yards, he's trying to help his team win. Uh, I think you could tell the emotion was really strong after the game about how he felt, how that game went. Number two is he's going to be defined by how he responds, right? Nick, we, we, yeah. we as people and, and especially athletes, right? Professional athletes are defined by how they respond in the face of adversity. And, and I know that's cliche and all that, but if Melvin goes out and rushes for 100 yards and scores a touchdown and, and, and plays great on Thursday night, I'm not saying all is forgiven, uh, but what a response that would be. And, and that's what kind of the theme you know, in the locker room and obviously post-game was from the entire team was, hey, we've got you know four days and we get to try it and respond. And so I think Melvin is obviously at top of that list. So it's going to be really interesting to see, uh, you know, if, if he responds in, in the right way, uh, you know, moving forward. But, Nick, how would you maybe split up this running back room going forward? I mean, do you, do you like what you've seen from Mike Boone? I know you didn't like the drop uh, in later in the game, uh, but what do you see from this running back group? How do you maybe approach this if you're Nathaniel Hackett? And, and especially this week on a short week, you're not going to be able to probably find somebody, you know, to, to come up and play. Uh, this week for you, but how do you maybe look at this running back room moving forward if Javante can't go? Well, I mean, what happens is Mike Boone becomes your lead back. I mean, when the ball was put in his hands, I mean, he made some good yards and moving the pile. Uh, and and I'll, I'll just say this, man, it's once again, going back to Melvin, it is tough. It's going to be difficult for him to watch Mike Boone leapfrog him. And now he is essentially RB2 yet again. But Boone becomes your lead back. And then you have Melvin Gordon waiting in the wings. And maybe instead of handing the ball up to him, 
maybe you throw some screen passes because it just seems as though he runs with the ball differently, you know, uh, being delivered as a screen pass than the ball being handed to him. So right now, this is where the Broncos are. And don't don't underestimate the Broncos and the fact that as soon as Javante went down, someone was on the phone calling someone's agent trying to see how quickly can they get a guy in here and maybe get him up to speed before the game takes place on Thursday because you, you need some kind of uh, breaking in case of emergency because right now you have two backs. What if something happened to one of those backs? Knock on wood, you're going to need someone else to go to. Yeah, I, I know there's there was a lot of people out there already throwing Philip Lindsay's name out there, which is another twist to this week on Thursday night. Uh, obviously, he's a member of the Colts, and I think he, he's on their practice squad, and there's some talk of him maybe getting pulled up for that game uh, because uh, I guess Jonathan Taylor is a little bit banged up. So what an interesting storyline that would be. And again, maybe the Broncos could sign him off the practice squad later in the season if they want to. I don't know if that's something they'd be interested in. Obviously, it's a new offense for Phillip, so he would have to learn that on the fly. But um, I, I don't think there's a ton of options out there, Nick. I haven't really looked at the free agent list, if there's any you know, veteran guys out there that they could go get. Um, I know Ozigbo, I think that's how you say his name, uh, the rookie from Nebraska, I believe. Uh, or maybe not. I don't know if he's a rookie, but on the practice squad, the running back practice squad, um, you know, I think that he'll probably get pulled up, I would assume, uh, this week on a short week. But there's only so much you can do when you play on Thursday night. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Broncos do. I do like Mike Boone a lot. I think he's a nice player. Um, I think he's done some really good things when he gets in the game. But, you know, him and him and Melvin are not Javante. Uh, and I do think that this is this could end up being a really big loss if he's out for a while. Uh, because Javante is just, I, I think he's one of the best backs in the league. He can do different things, is so physical, um, and it was really having a, a nice season so far. So um, that would obviously be a big blow. So, Nick, let's take a quick break. We'll dive into some more stuff. I really want to talk about some of the defensive issues today. We haven't even talked about that yet. Um, so let's take a quick break, and then we'll get into our last segment. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, guys, we're back from that quick break. And, Nick, let's dive into a little bit of the defense before we head out of here. Um, we've talked all offense today, but I thought the defense was maybe the story of the game because uh, if you had told me that the Broncos were going to score 23 points today, I would have said, oh, they won. They, they won the game because uh, I, I trusted this defense to get the stops they needed, maybe get some turnovers. Uh, and I definitely did not expect them to give up 212 yards on the ground, which, uh, Nick, I don't know if you know this, that's the most yards they've given up on the ground uh, since the Eagles uh, week 10 last year. They had 216 yards uh, last year the Eagles did against the Broncos. So uh, what went wrong with this defense today, Nick? Because they looked so good through three games Bradley Chubb claimed that they were the best defense in the league after beating the 49ers uh and then today they just kind of put out a stinker it felt like you know it seemed like uh the same old story against the Raiders and Josh Jacobs man yep. I mean 144 yards on the ground and in my years playing I, I played for some great coaches but 
they would always get upset when you, we would give up so many yards on the ground because the way they looked at it, it was like mano a mano. That means you know they're going to run the ball and they're going to punch you in the mouth. And that's exactly what they did to the Broncos' defense. They punched them in the mouth, and the Broncos never responded. And when you look at the game, it was a bunch of missed tackles and guys overrunning the ball and being out of position. And we've never seen this defense so far this season, George, play this particular way. But it, for some reason, I don't care who's the defensive coordinator, they are constantly struggling against the Raiders on the ground. And I get it. The Raiders, were, their backs were against the wall. Totally understand. But when you know that your opponent is going to run the ball, then you have to man up, get off blocks, and make tackles. Because Devontae Adams, even though he went for more, uh, he went over 100 yards in the game, he wasn't the biggest factor. It was stopping no. Josh Jacobs. I mean, which is hard to believe, but they just couldn't get it done. Yeah, I thought Josie Jewell had a rough game. Um, you know, I'll have to go back and rewatch it, but it felt like he missed some tackles here and there. Now, it felt like Kareem Jackson missed a couple tackles here and there as well. It felt like a lot of guys missed some tackles. I mean, there were several times that they had the guy, you know, at the line of scrimmage or behind the line, and he broke free for five or six more yards. And those type of things can't happen. Or they would break, uh, you know, a 10-yard gain, and all of a sudden it's a 20-yard gain. Um, and those type of things can't happen. The other part, too, Nick, Derek Carr had 40 yards rushing. I mean, there were several, you know, breakdowns where he was able to escape the pocket on, on third down or second and long or whatever it was uh, and run for a first down. And, and I was a little bit surprised by that because that seemed like a, a little bit of a lapse of containment. Uh, we also just didn't see Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory. Randy Gregory obviously left the game uh, with a knee injury as well. He, he said in the locker room, by the way, um, that he is feeling good and that he's hopeful that it's not anything serious. He wasn't on crutches like Javante was. So that's that's good news. But I wanted to say that Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory, they didn't seem to be as uh, as impactful today in terms of getting after the quarterback, making those type of plays that we've seen in, in, in the previous game. So I think it was just a combination of, of all those things. If anybody played great today, I thought Pat Sertan played well on Javante Adams. Um, you know, had a couple pass breakups, including one in the end zone on that first drive. So, he played well, but I thought the rest of the defense, it just didn't seem like guys were were making the plays that we had seen them make previously. Yeah, I agree with you, uh, George. PS2 uh, just did those PS2 things. And during the game, I was uh, texting back and forth with, with Champ Bailey, and we were just talking about how good this kid is and how patient he is. And Champ said, you know what? He stays healthy. He's going to go down as one of the best corners to play the game. And I truly believe that. But the defense as a whole, they didn't play well. And you brought up something that was really interesting. You know, on those Derek Carr scrambles, you can't do uh, everything to stop these quarterbacks that are mobile in today's game. You can't say, well, hey, going into this game, well, Carr is that great on the ground, so we're going to have to kind of put a spy in there to, to stop him from getting those extra yards. No, you're not going to do that. But the problem was contained. They, the Broncos continued to rush up the field and didn't retrace their steps. And when they did that, they they opened the chasm for Derek Carr to find the crease and run down the field, sort of like what Russell Wilson was able to do against the, the Raiders uh, defense. So it, it was kind of a disappointing uh, day for me. That's why, you know, my voice sounds like this because I was just yelling so much because as a de defensive uh, player and a coach, I get really upset when, you know, as a defense, a team runs the ball on you. That, that's one of the things that, I feel as though they should never be able to do against you because it's like mano and mano 
And can they move another man off the, off his block, or off his space? And then if it's an open space tackle, can you get downhill and you make the tackle? And there was too many guys just kind of, once again, not playing with the proper leverage and just, just kind of diving and, and just kind of block tackling. And what I mean by block tackling, George, means that I'm going to run down towards you and I'm just going to throw my shoulder into you instead of wrapping you up. It was too much of that, and that led to those yards after contact for Josh Jacobs. Yeah, I, definitely. A, a slight flex, by the way, saying that you're texting Champ Bailey during the game. Uh, no, wait, wait, big, no, wait a minute. No big deal. Wait, wait a minute. You want me to lie? Wait, listen, we're talking about PS2. I'm just trying to tell you what, what actually happened. No, I know. I'm just saying it's, you know, no big deal. You're just texting like a Hall of Famer during the game. Uh, but uh, – I do want to know, Nick, uh, you, you said your voice is gone. Uh, what, what was what moment of the game did you scream the most? Well, the one that I screamed the most when first I was cheering when Melvin got the ball and then I was screaming when I started <laughs> fumble the ball. So that's where it all started, George. And I was like, man, this is going to be a bad day. I even took my cap and threw it on the ground like it like I was uh, Steve Spurrier. Yeah. Yeah. I, I you know, that Melvin play was so um, I guess funny is not the right word, but. I had just mentioned previously to the people sitting next to me, I said, I don't think Melvin's been in the game all game. Then he comes in, he gets a carry. And it looked like, you know, I, I already put my head down. I was starting to type like, oh, Melvin Gordon gets his first carry. Good. You know, it was like an eight yard, 10 yard rush. It looked like a really good run. Uh, and then, of course, I look up and the Raiders have the ball running down the sideline. So I'm like, well, that didn't, that didn't go as planned. So See, that, that, that was that was your fault. You put the bad uh, mojo out there. I know. I jinxed yeah. it. I jinxed yes, it. Yes, come uh, on, George. You can't do that. <laughs> I know. I know. Nick, all right, let's get into the final thing here. Uh, and it's it's a question that I feel like we've asked a couple times now in these postgame podcasts. But is it time to hit the panic button? I feel like we're on the same page here, but – are you anywhere near the panic button after that game? No. Uh, and luckily, uh, you know, you're not talking to the masses in Broncos country because they would say yes. Uh, no, it's not time to hit the panic button. We're in week four. Uh, the biggest problem for this team was, hey, when was this offense going to come along? And this is the first time we, we've seen this offense actually show any signs of life and the moon balls that everyone was expecting Russell to throw when he first got here. Now he's throwing those moon balls and KJ Hamlin was involved. We saw a couple of passes to Eric Salbert. Uh, Cortland Sutton was involved. So this is the best that we've seen this offense, you know, all season long. Do they still have a, a long way to go? Absolutely. I would like to see more creativity out of this offense, but I'm happy about that and I'm very optimistic. But at the same time, I mean, you can't take two steps forward and 16 steps backwards because we were thinking, once the offense comes along and the defense follows suit and continues their work, now this team is going to be unstoppable. So the offense came to the party, but it seemed like the defense was left back here in the Mile High City. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not hitting the panic button. I, I, I've said it multiple times. It's it's week four. It's a 17-game schedule, right? Uh, you've got so much room to improve. I think where the biggest concern for me is, and, and I get it, the penalties are bad and and you want to get mad at the offense every once in a while because they stall or whatever. But I do still think that those things will get figured out. The biggest concern for me is the injuries, Nick. Uh, you start looking at some of the guys that they're losing and I get it. That's part of the NFL, right? You, every team's going to have injuries, but you look at even going back to training camp, losing Tim Patrick, right? Uh, that was a huge loss that I, I don't even know that we, we know how big of a loss that was. Uh, Javante Williams, right? If he's out, 
for 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 a while. I and mean, that's a massive, massive loss. Uh, you've got Justin Simmons on the defensive side of the ball. And now he's going to be back, right? Uh, and, and I think that he'll help some of the defensive issues that you saw today. Um, you know, just in terms of communication and him being back there. But you know, I think that the injuries are starting to pile up. Randy Gregory, we don't know what his his length of time may be out. Maybe he's back Thursday night. I, you know, I don't know. Uh, but that's where my biggest concern lies right now. Uh, and if they continue to pile up, then you're really getting in a tough spot. So uh, that's that's my biggest concern with this team. I still think that the defense will figure it out. I think that they're talented on that side of the ball. They've shown us, you know, in the other three games that they can be an elite defense. I think they just had some lapses today, right? They need to clean some things up fundamentally, uh, which is very fixable. And then the offense, like you said and I said, I think they took a, a step in the right direction today. I know people are still mad uh, that they're not scoring even more points and that they were really bad in the third quarter, uh, but you still have to walk away saying, well, maybe it's baby steps, right? They, they did move the ball. They scored more points than they have previously. Uh, Russell Wilson looked phenomenal today. Like it was not his fault that they lost today's game, obviously. So I do think there's some good things to take away, but the injuries for me is, is where the biggest concern is. Well, I, I agree with the injuries, but I'm going to start on the offensive line. You know, uh, we still haven't seen Billy Turner. When we, when will we see him? I, I have no I, idea. But uh, if he is built up what, to what they say that he is, uh, we could definitely use him on that right side of that uh, offensive line because uh, the one thing I know, I'll put it to you this way. Halloween season is, is upon us. And I don't think anything scares me more than the right side of that Broncos offensive line with Graham Blaskow and Cam Flemings. You know, those two guys scare me a lot because you don't know what they're going to do. And watching the game, there was an ET stunt that was ran and Max Crosby was involved in that. And it just seemed as though the lack of communication and skill set was there because he was able to come back inside and, and sack Russell. So, the, from the injury standpoint, I, I hear what you're saying about everything else. All of that is perfect, but but my biggest concern is that right side of that offensive line. Yeah, and and I think that that's a really valid argument, Nick. We've now seen two weeks in a row where Cam Fleming has really struggled. Obviously, going up against two of the better pass rushers in the league. When you talk about Nick Bosa uh, last week with the 49ers, and then this week Max Crosby, and both those guys. Um, got the best of him several times. Now, I think Cam's done a nice job for what he's been asked to do, but he was never supposed to be the starting right tackle. He wasn't even supposed to be the backup right tackle, Nick. you People forget they didn't bring him in uh, until like partway through training camp because they thought Billy Turner was going to be the guy there, and then they thought Calvin Anderson would be the guy behind him. Uh, and so they need guys to step up. I mean, Calvin Anderson, you know, he could be seeing playing time soon if, if Cam Fleming doesn't get better. But clearly, maybe the trust isn't there right now. And then they need Quinn Miners to be healthy. I think that that loss was was bigger than we anticipated. Graham Glasgow is a nice player. He's been in the league for a long time. But Quinn Miners is playing really good football uh, before he hurt his hamstring. And he's a big help in the run game, obviously. And he's just a physical presence. And so I think that that's part of it, too, is is both those those guys, right guard and right tackle, Neither one of them were supposed to be starters this year. And I think that we're starting to see the effects of that now, you know, four week, four weeks in. Yeah, we definitely starting to see uh, the results of those injuries. And it was every time someone brings up Quinn Miners and mentioned a hamstring, I'm always uh, dumbfounded, like, wait a minute, 
an offensive lineman pulling a hamstring, that cannot be correct, right? Because those yeah. guys never really run that fast and they don't really run that far. But Quinn Miner is an intricate part of this offense. And when he's in there, to me, he brings that 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 the that physicality that I, I really don't see that much with Graham Glasgow. And it just seemed as though he was one of those guys, Quinn Miner that that is, he goes out and he sets the tempo. So it'll be great to see if he can come back. Hopefully. Uh, maybe if it's not this week, maybe uh, next week, but the Broncos will need to do something to shore up that right side of the offensive line. Yeah, and, and they will get uh, a couple guys back this week, or, or at least they're supposed to. I don't know if they'll end up playing because it is a short week, um, you know, with the Colts on Thursday night. But, you know, tight end Greg Dulcich, the rookie, uh, is supposed to come off the injured reserve this week. Cornerback uh, Michael Oljamudia is another guy that's supposed to come up. And, and that's another spot that they're starting to get a little bit thin there in the secondary when you talk about. Obviously, Justin being out, P.J. Locke got a concussion today on the opening kickoff. Uh, so they definitely need some guys in that secondary as well. But we'll see, you know, what guys are able to play. You know, fingers crossed on, on good news um, for Javante and Randy, even though I, I don't expect good news on Javante at least. Um, but it seems like Randy was in good spirits post game, so I think that's a good sign. But um, we, we will definitely see, you know, what the injuries come out to be here in the next couple of days. It is a short week, Nick. Um, so I think we're recording again on, on Tuesday. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what our schedule shakes out to be. Um, but thanks to everyone for tuning into this episode of Touchdown Denver. Make sure you guys like and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, and we'll see you guys again later this week uh, to preview the Colts game on Thursday night.